Right, let's talk about whether Kohanim can visit Me'arat HaMachpelah and Kever Rachel. Of course, by extension, I'm referring to any burial plot of a righteous person, of a Sadiq, in the words of the Hachamim. And, of course, you'll, the knee-jerk response would be, of course, a Kohen cannot. The Pasuk says, at the beginning of Parashat Emor, L'nefesh lo yitama be'amav. You're not allowed to come close and uh, contaminate yourself, of course, with Tum'ah, to any person who's be'amav. Any person, certainly in Am Yisrael, maybe by extension even non-Jews. So why would we make a distinction? Well, this question has been asked to me enough times for me to realize that people are aware that there might be a difference to be made. In other words, there might be something to it. People have been on trips in Israel, have been on tours, in which their Kohanim, Leo, Jakey included, and they're told, or oh, uncertain, <laughs> I'm sorry, were you in Israel? In which they're uncertain about whether they're allowed to visit Me'arat Machpelah or not, and uh, some are and some are not. So I'd like to uh, work through the issue for you and together with you in order that you'll realize that this, this is a real issue and, uh, and, and there is grounds to permitting Although I'm telling you at the onset, in my opinion, the halakha is that it's asur. Uh, first and foremost, why would a person visit Me'arat HaMachpelah or Kever Rachel? Why would a person visit any tombstone or burial place? Thank you very much, Leo. Um, uh, so uh, the truth is the Midrash, just two weeks ago, Parasha, says that Kalev made his way to Me'arat HaMachpelah when the Miragilim, when the Tarim Ta'aretz, we're in Eretz Israel in Parashat Shelach. There's a singular uh, conjugation for who makes his way to Hebron, one person. And the Midrash says, Kalev was there praying to, or in the merit of, Avraham, Isaac, and Yaakov, maybe by extension, Adam Harishon, according to the Midrash. Uh, what is it uh, that in the eyes of the rabbis, this means that this is not a 21st century practice, in the eyes of the rabbis is appropriate or acceptable. What needs to be said, without getting into a full philosophical conversation, is that you need to distinguish between something that's called doresh el which is forbidden, which is a way of avodazara, in which you're summoning the dead, and being uh, involved in prayer to talk in a place to God in the merit of the people buried there so that we have some sort of long-standing tradition amongst the Hachamim, Hachmeh Talmud included, in which they would go at times to Kivre Sadikim in order to pray in the merit. Of course, the place in turn inspires an individual to greater concentration in prayer and connectedness to God. But that's what needs to be said because if you're praying to the dead per- people, Alternatively, if you're praying that the dead people will aid in prayer, help you in the prayer, there are major issues, Abu Dazara issues, one of the Ikarim of Harambam. Of course, that's why I'm mentioning it at the onset. Don't think that way. Make certain that your mindset going in, it's important to realize because you're really playing with literally fire in terms of proper Jewish thought if you think that you're praying to the dead people. All right, that being out of the way, can you, as a Kohen, visit these places? Is a Midrash in Mishle, in source number one in Perek Tet, which is, needs to be, in my mind, the opening to this conversation. It's a Midrash which tells the story of the death of Rabbi Akiva, not the Gemara and Masechet Berachot that describes the raking off of his skin, but rather a different detail 
of that storyline. Says the Gemma, says the Midrash, So Biakiva was chained up or was uh, was imprisoned in a in a jail uh, by the Romans. And the specific student of his, Rabbi was helping him in the jailhouse as he's uh, as he's incarcerated. It was so his student leaves him and Rabbi Akiva is alone. Ba Eliyahu ve'amad al petach beto, Eliyahu hanavi, as the Midrash describes it, makes his way to the home of, uh, of this Rabbi Hoshua Haggarsi, the, the helper of Rabbi Akiva, to tell him, Amar lo, Shalom Aleich Rabbi, Amar lo, Shalom Aleich Rabbi Umori, Amar lo, Kedumat Tasarich, Amar lo, Kohenani, Ubati lahagid lecha, Shrabbi Akiva met beveta asurim, as the story in the Midrash has it, Eliyahu hanavi opens up in conversation and says, I'm a Kohen. We'll talk about that in a second. And I've come to tell you that Rabbi Akiva has died, maybe has been put to death, according to our knowledge of what took place. First and foremost, was Eliyahu Navi a Kohen? Do we know that from the Navi, from Sefer Melachim? We don't, per se. Rashi, in his commentary to a Gemara that we'll cite later on, cites from a different Midrash, which has it that in some way Eliyahu Navi is associated with... Anyone? Pinehas. Pinehas. Both of them are Bikanoit Kinati, and as a result, the rabbis associate them as being uh, fulfilling one another in personality, in, in essence. And as a result, all right, so nonetheless, that's the Midrash that he's a Kohen, and he's speaking to the Yoshua and telling him, You should know your rabbi has passed away. Miyad, Halechushinehem, Lebeta Asurim, Umatsu Petah Sha'ar, Beta Asurim, Patuach. They make their way almost out of a movie, they find the door open to the jailhouse, and, would you know it, literally out of a play, Vesar Beta Sohar Yashin, of course, the guard is sleeping, maybe it's not a movie per se, it happens today even, I think, I don't know, it's three o'clock in the morning, everybody's sleeping, uh, what's the significance of that? So they're able to make their way straight to Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva they take Rabbi Akiva, who's dead, sounds like, on the floor, and they put him onto a bed in order to give him the proper respect, and they leave. So Eliyahu then goes back, it sounds like, lifts Rabbi Akiva and begins to move him out in order to give him a burial. We're not going to leave him with the Romans, we're going to bury him. Says Rabbi Yoshua Garci, wait a second, Rabbi, didn't you tell me you're a Kohen? Kohanim are not allowed to come in contact with dead. Amar lo, here's the key line, Hayecha Rabbi Yoshua Bini. I swear to you, by your life, Rabbi Hoshua, Has v'shalom, heaven forbid that this is forbidden for me to do, She'en tum'ah b'sadikim ve'af lo b'talmidehem, there's no tum'ah when it comes to righteous ones, and not even with regards to the students of the righteous ones, the sadikim. That's the Midrash. Without any explanation, that's the Midrash. How much should we, the smile, the smirk is appropriate, how much should we derive with regards to halakha from a Midrash? Well, you know it, I have a whole series of classes in which I entitled them, Can We Learn Halakha from Midrash? Or something along those lines, because... Uh, perhaps surprising, many halachot, not ton, but many halachot are derived from Midrash. Is that one of them? Is it just a Midrash? Even internally in the Midrash, what does it mean? Why not? Why are sadikim not mitameh? How do you define a sadik? How do you define a sadik, furthermore? All right. 
I mean, can we can we agree for argument's sake for the moment? Abraham Tzachan Yaakov, Rachelim Menu. Yeah, all right. So then, that's hence the name of the class. Kin Kohanim visit Me'arat Machbila and Kever Rachel. I didn't add to it the different Tanaim and so forth. Although if we knew Kever Bi Akiva, I could add that as well because the Midrash tells us he was a Sadiq. But beyond that, I don't know that I, I could like tell you. Sadiqim though, like it's more like spiritual. It's not with their physical body, so their physical body could still be Mitameh. So it could be metameh. Their greatness is in their spiritual, which has departed, and as a result, you make the argument, why should we distinguish? Ultimately speaking, the tumah is because of the body, and that's their body which they left behind as well. The only question will be, and again, I'm not, I'm not mm-hmm. suggesting that I actually understand this, you know, spiritual domain. Ramban in source number five, Ramban Nahmani in his commentary at the beginning of Parashat Hukat, he suggests without fully explaining it, and you know, because hard to fully explain it. He suggests that it, the way it works is that the tumah. I'll put it in his words, and then we'll try to understand it a little bit. That tumah, so to speak, comes about through that moment of death. And in his words, or in the words of the rabbis, it's through the injection of poison from the Nahash, from the Malach HaMavit, which means to say, when you experience death as, uh, you put it in your words, Maurice, the departure of the spiritual from the physical, that's Tum'ah. Alternatively, if it's what's called, and we saw it in last week's parasha with Aharon, at least in the eyes of the rabbis, what's called mitat nishika, some sort of elevated mode of death, in which it's almost a natural organic circumstance, over there, suggests Ramban Nahmani, we distinguish. And the righteous ones who have mitat nishika, so to speak, that kiss of death, there's no uh, tumah. I can't fully explain it further than that, but I can accept the words of Ramban, assuming that's just a definition to a Midrash. Ramban, we'll discuss in a moment, seems to take this even further than that. Ramban seems to accept this Alibadihil Chita. For Ramban, the answer to the question at the top of the page that we pose and are dealing with is absolutely. It appears somewhat clear from the words of Ramban Nahmani that his opinion would be that Kohanim could go, assuming you know how to define Sadiq, but Me'arata Mechpila we can agree on, Kever Rachel, we'll accept, Kever Yosef as well, they'd be able to be there. Are there other sources, or is this it? There's other sources. Source number two, and you'll notice it's not a halacha gemara either. It's another midrash. It's another midrash with Eliyahu Hanavi. The gemara here on Davkof Yodalit, Amud Aleph, going into Amud Bet, has Eliyahu Hanavi encountering or coming into contact with Rabba Bar Avuha. Rabba Bar Avuha Ashkehe. He finds Eliyahu Navi in a cemetery of non-Jews. Now there happens to be a, a, a central and important mahlok between Bishimon ben Yochai and Hachamim about whether Kivre of uh, Kochavim, uh, non-Jewish cemeteries, non-Jewish burial plots, the dead bodies of non-Jewish people is mitameh as well. That's a mahlok. Bishimon ben Yochai's opinion is they're not. Hachamim's opinion is they are. What's the halakhalamasi on that with the three Kohanim in the room? That's mahlokit. We generally speaking are mahmir unless it's a pressing circumstance. We're generally speaking 
to the best of my knowledge, but maybe you'll tell me your family tradition's different, uh, are a mahmir. That's right. Stay away even from the non-Jewish ones. So the Gemara has uh, Eliyahu being there. Amar le lav kohen humor. So says Rabbi Avuha to Eliyahu, aren't you a kohen? Again, it's on this Gemara that Rashi links it to Pinehas. What are you doing in the cemetery? Amar le in the Midrash, Eliyahu Anavi responds, Lo matne mor tahorot. Did you not learn Masechet uh, Tahorot? Are you not familiar with Seder Tahorot? The Tanya, after all, the Beraita teaches Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai Omer, Kivrehen shel obde kochavim en metamein. That's the statement. Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai's opinion is that if it's a non-Jewish dead body... This doesn't help the, the case whatsoever. Can, give me a second. Okay, give me a sorry, second. Go. You're right, Leo. Yeah, go ahead. The first source, um, if we're, we're taking it technically, wouldn't Eliyahu be allowed to bury the... Who, who was it that died of being? Yeah, Fantastic question. Jakey, hold that literally for like a minute. Okay? For a minute. But Jakey's question you heard, he says that in that circumstance, we would consider a met mitzvah. Met mitzvah means there's no one else to bury. And in that circumstance, kohanim always are supposed to go against them, they're supposed to violate the isur of Tum'ah in order to bury if there's no one else to bury. So that's his suggestion for why Eliyahu actually did it. Keep in mind, Eliyahu's response in the Midrash was Kivrehen Shal Sadikim. So that's important. Uh, this Midrash now, as Leo says, has no bearing. It does have bearing because the question is, now you're going to see how your two points come together. The question is, are we posek la this way? Which is really what I was asking you a moment ago. Are, it's a, it's are a the well, hang on. Are the burial plots of non-Jews mitameh for a kohen? Is a dead body of a non-Jew mitameh for a kohen? So he said, the Gemara says that Eliyahu Navi responded, that's why I was there. Boom! Alternatively, as Leo said, but it's a midrash. Maybe we're not to take... The way Tosafot phrases it is, this midrash is describing how Eliyahu just blows off. He's dohe. He says, leave me alone. Not that that was why he was there. There was a different reason why he was in the cemetery. It was, you know, you catch me, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm in the city and I'm on 42nd Street. So, Rabbi, what are you doing here? Now, the real reason I'm there is because I have a doctor's appointment. I don't want to tell you about the doctor's appointment. So instead I say to you, well, I'm on my way uh, to the class down the block. And so you walk away all happy. I didn't need to reveal the true reason. I'm just getting you out of the way. You're surprised that I'm there, but there is a class going on, maybe or maybe not, but I'm just pushing you off. Tosafot suggests that he was just pushing him off. Not that we're posek la like Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai. That was just his way of pushing him off. Says Tosafot, you know something? There's another midrash. They quote our first midrash in which Rabbi Shimon, excuse me, Eliyahu Navi is dealing with Rabbi Akiva, and his reason that he gives is because it's a righteous person, it's a sadiq. So I thought that wasn't the real reason. You want to know what the real reason was? Because it was a met mitzvah. Do you follow? So in other words, Tosafot says not so much that since it's a midrash, we're not going to take it seriously. Oh, it's that even the same reason, same same reason you saw me there. I have to get into why I'm seeing the doctor. I don't want you nervous about me. I don't, I don't get into that. He's just pushing. Mm, says Ramban, oh, this is a perfect class. You guys are leading me into this. Thanks. So it's number four. Says Ramban Nachmani. Do you realize? One second. Oh, thanks. Uh, says Ramban Nachmani in source number four. Wait a second. Do you realize what that story does to us? It's misleading. Now we walk away. Tosafot, you told me it was all just a push-off. If it's me on 42nd Street, what's the difference? I say, don't know I was going to the doctor. This story, 
he's setting us up to make mistakes in the future. Therefore, suggests Ramban, take the words of the Midrash very seriously. If that was the response of Eliyahu Anavi, that is the halacha. And as a result, Ramban says, we're posek like Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai for an issue that's not relevant to us, non-Jewish burial plots. And furthermore, says Ramban, not like Tosafot, when it comes to Kivrei Sadikim, they're not metameim. So it emerges then, it's a mahlok between Ramban Nahmani and Tosafot about whether Kivrei Sadikim are metameim. All right, but we have plenty of more sources that we need to attack and deal with in order to try to come to a resolution. Right now, we just have a mahlokit. Source number six, Gemara Masechet Ketubot, Afkof Gimala Mudabet. This is one of the major sources with regards to this issue. The Gemara over there is talking about the issue, which to you and me, outside of the sugya, maybe in the sugya, is this so relevant? We really, okay, but the Gemara saw it necessary to debate. It was necessary internally in that time and for the for its purposes. Whether Bihya or Rabbi, Rabbi Udah Nasi passed away first. Right, that's the debate. As the Gemara, I'll bring up proof that Rabbi, Rabbi Udah Nasi passed away first. You want to know why? Because Rabbi Hiya said, don't you know what he said? He said, On the day on which Rabbi Udah Nasi passed away, source number six, that's the day on which Kedushah was lost. All right, so you read that line, as, as do I, and you say, you know what it means, Kedushah was lost? He was a holy guy. You lost a holy person, you say, all sanctity was lost to the world. And in fact, the first explanation in Tosafot is that's how you read it. After Rabbi was known as Rabbeinu HaKadosh, he was the bastion, the paradigm, the greatest example of Kedushah. He died, we lost Kedushah. Then, Tosafot famously quotes from Rabbi Hayim Kohen. He was a Kohen. He says about himself, you know something? Based on this Gemara, I'll tell you something. Had I been around when Rabbeinu Tam, Rabbeinu Tam, his name was Biakov ben Meir, was grandson of Rashi, when he passed away, he was a very important person, when he passed away, had I been there, I would have been a part of the funeral procession. I would have been involved in the burial. What? Why? Because you should know, Rabbeinu Tam was like Rabbi Uda Hanasi. They were Sadiqim. Sadiqim, the great ones, Kohanim could be metameh to them. That's an amazing statement. Continues Rabbi Kohen, Rabbi Hayim Kohen. He says, I learned it from A, this Gemara, which says that sanctity, Kiddushah, was lost, which he says, I interpret as meaning Kohanim are involved. Do you follow? And he says, I have Talmud Yerushalmi. He cites this which seems to say, if you look on the third line here, in source number seven, it says, En kehunahayom. The Lashon of the Gemara, the Nosach and Talmud Yerushalmi, telling the same story of when Rabbi Udahanasi died, they said, En kehunahayom, meaning, it sounds like, all the Kohanim could be involved. Furthermore, says Tosafot, okay, anyway, that's, Tosafot brings at the end that the rabbi, Rabbi, whoever the, the rabbi who's leading Tosafot in the Midrash at that time, disagreed, he had a different interpretation. But that's Rabbi Hayim HaKohen's interpretation. Talmud Yerushalmi seems very convincing. En Says Tosafot Rosh, says Maran Rabbi Yosef Karo in Bet Yosef in Siman Shin Ayin Dalet, you're misunderstanding it here. When it says, even if I take the words of Talmud Yerushalmi at face value, even if I grant them validity, en kehunayom at the death of Rabbi Yudah Nasi, not because all sadikim en tumalekohanim, you want to know why? It's because he was the Nasi. He was the leader of the people. The leader of the people in a religious and political way. That's who Rabbi Yudah Nasi was. 
Rabbeinu Tam, fantastic person, great scholar, maybe leader of a congregation of a large... He wasn't a Bihuda Nasi. He wasn't the Nasi. The Nasi has its own status. That's the suggestion, says Beit Yosef. Maybe Rabbi Haim HaKohen extends it to the important people of each generation, the Gedolei Hador. But ultimately speaking, that means for our purposes, this is not really a kula that we can derive for Kohanim of today. This is a kula when you're dealing with the Nasi. It sounds even further when you're dealing with the burial of the Nasi. Not going to be relevant to us at all. We don't have a nasi any longer. Maybe you'll extend it to the gadol hador, and at most it's for the burial, but not me'arat not kever Rachel, not kever Yosef, and so forth. In truth, many, many of the Rishonim and Aharonim weigh in on this matter and point to problematic passages which seem to suggest that it's not permitted, even when you're dealing with Sadiqim, for Kohanim to become Tameh, even in the burial. Shailot Teshubot Maharil, here in source number 10, points to, in Siman Kof Gima, points to a Gemara Masechet Sukkah, which is in source number 11. Gemara Masechet Sukkah, you may have learned this when you were in high school, you may have forgotten it, you might remember it, Gemara says on Daf Kafeh when it's dealing with the issue of Ha'osek Ba Mitzvah Patum and HaMitzvah, persons involved in a Mitzvah, they're exempt from other Mitzvot. Anyway, the Gemara in that context quotes at Beraita. The Beraita cites a Pasuk from Parashat Beha'alotecha, the Pasuk in Parashat Beha'alotecha talks about Pesach Sheni. You remember Pesach Sheni? There were people who were Tameim, they were impure, and they come to Moshe and they say, Lama nigara? Why are we going to lose out on the mitzvah of Korban Pesach? Because we were Tamid during the time of the first sacrifice. Can we have something else? And of course, the answer is a month later in the ER, that's when you'll have it. Says the Gemara, Who are those people? Oh, we don't know. No, who are those people? How were they tamin in such a way in that time? The Gemara had several answers. The first two answers were, number one, they were the people who were carrying the asamot, the bones of Yosef. Pause for a second. Yosef, we always call him Yosef HaSadiq. The bones of Yosef, they were tameh. Ah, says Maharil, you see? Even the righteous ones, even the Sadiqim, tameh. Second answer of the Gemara. They were Mishael and El Safan. You might know about them from Parashat Shemini. After Nadav and Aviu, the sons of Aharon die, they're the ones who take them out of the Mishkan. Wait a sec. Okay, Nadav and Aviu... Maybe it's a little hard to call them Sadiqim, but the Pasuk does say, Bikrovai Ekadesh. Certainly, in the eyes of the Hachamim, Rashi's interpretation to that is, they were righteous. I know they sinned, but they were righteous. They were Sadiqim. At the very least, you have Yosef, you by extension have Mishael and El Safan. How do you explain that? The fact that we're talking about Tumah in that context seems to point us in a different direction. Along those lines of pointing us in different directions, the Gemara Masech Bava Batra here on Dafnon Nun Chet Amudal. If the Gemara cites how Rabbi Bena'a, all right, his name was, maybe it was a builderman, Rabbi Bena'a Havakam Mesayen Ma'arata, he would be marking off, sounds like with paint or some, some way pointing out where the Ma'ara was. What's a Ma'ara? Cave. He would designate caves. Abraham. And then it says, when he came to the cave of Abraham, okay, and then there's a whole story. Why was he designating or painting or marking caves? Says Rashi, I'll tell you why. In order to keep Tum'ah or Tahara away from there. He doesn't say over here, but he will say later on to keep Kohanim away. He says, but when you're dealing with Taharot, when you would eat things and you needed to eat it, but Tahara, you needed to make certain that it was away from Tameh circumstances. Wait a second, you're dealing with the Ma'ara of Abraham. You're dealing with the Me'arot of the Sadiqim, of the... 
clearly or seemingly, if we read the Gemara in such a way, we're dealing with Tumah even by Kivre Sadikim. Along those lines as well, the Gemara Masech Bava Metzian, source number 15, and Daf Pehe, has Resh Lakish, who was doing the same thing, Hava Mesayen Ma'arata, and explicitly here in the Gemara, Drabbanan of the rabbis. All right, maybe you say, how do we know? Leo says that they're Sadikim. All right, I you know I have a little bit emuno, a little bit more emunos chacham than you, but either way, I mean, the Gemara doesn't even entertain it. Says Rashi, I'll tell you why he was doing it in order to keep Kohanim away from there. Again, another point if we interpret the Gemara in such a way that directs us to realizing or understanding that maybe this idea which we had from Midrash, which Ramban accepted very steadfastly of kivresa dikim not metamein, is not normative last in terms of our old sources, and then I'll fast forward you several hundred years, Zohar, Zohar in Parashat Vayishlach, in source number 17, has Rabbi Eliezer, I should say, Rabbi Eliezer Amar, Sadikaya, the righteous ones, the Sadikim, Demishtadele Beoraita, who involve themselves, who endeavor, toil in Torah, La Mista'ave Gufa Delehon, Mista'ave means to become Tameh. Their bodies don't become Tameh. Dela shara alayhum, because it doesn't reside upon them, ruach misa'ava, ruach of Tumah. I mean, again, we don't necessarily, especially when it goes against Talmud, learn halachot from Zohar. But Zohar does seem to have a pretty bold and clear line, assuming, and then there was all sorts of questions in later generations about whether this is the wrong nosah, crept into Zohar or whatever, but Zohar does say, that line we had from the Midrash earlier, from the story of Eliyahu, that the Kivre Sadikim are not mitame'in. All right, let's take stock of what we have thus far. We have several sources that they onset said, a Midrash, Ramban taking it very seriously, which direct us in Zohar, lastly, in the direction that Kivrei Sadikim are not mitamin, which means to say, a Kohen, you wanted to go to Ma'arat Machbela, Kivrei Rachel, Kivrei Yosef, Kivrei Shemuel, Faddalu. Great, nice idea, do it right, make certain that you're not praying to the dead person, but would be permitted. Then we have a lot of sources leading us in a different direction, seemingly teaching us Tosafot, being very skeptical, Rashi's interpretation to the Gemara in two places and so forth, teaching us Maharil, saying it explicitly, there's no such thing as Kivrei Sadikim Nat Metamein, a nice midrash, an important message, maybe you can learn lessons from it, but not per se halacha. Fast forward now to the 18th century, this book, Pe'at HaShulchan. Pe'at HaShulchan was written by a rabbi, his name was Rabbi Israel, Rabbi Israel of Shklov. He was a student of Gaon Mivilna. Gaon Mivilna was, of course, one of the great Ashkenazic rabbis of the 18th century. And he was an early, wouldn't call him this per se, but Zionist. He sent many of his students, it was in his mind, to live in Israel. Many, many of his students moved to Israel during his lifetime. And, and afterwards, and one of his students, this one would be Israel of Shklav, wrote a book called Pe'at HaShulchan. He talks about mitzvot atiliyot ba'aretz and matters that are relevant to Eris Israel. And he writes, Yesh limnoa, here in source number 18, we should prevent eze b'nei adam kohanim, many different people who are kohanim, she'olchim al kivrei sadikim, atanaim ve'emoraim, u'go'onim. They go, and he doesn't mention me'arat ma'chpelah kevirachel, but he does say they go to different kivarim, different burial plots of righteous people, of sadikim, and they say, these Kohanim, he says, it's a mistake. 
This is wrong. No greater than our forefathers, our mothers, and so forth. And the Gemara, he says, seems to tell us that they are metame. Either way you slice it, with regards to whatever Gemara, he helps you with which Gemara he's referring to. He's clear. This is what people are doing. So it's not a new 21st century thing that people are asking this and doing this. It was being done. He's opposed to it. Did everyone oppose it? In this next source, for example, in the source number 19, Sheilot Teshubot HaSabah Kadisha. Sabah Kadisha was, uh, his name was Rabbi Shilomoyli Ezel Elfandari. Uh, he uh, passed away in 1930, if I'm not mistaken. He lived in Sfat at the end of his life. He was, well, he's known as Sabah Kadisha. He lived to a very old age. But he has important Teshubot that uh, we oftentimes overlook, but we should pay more attention to. He is Milamed Zechut, which means to say he tries to find a reason to resolve the fact that he says the Kohanim of today are going to Kivrei Sadikim. So he says, I'm not excited about that. He writes that at the end. But this is the reality. And let me find a way to, to, to find a zechut, to find a merit for the people who are doing so. He says, if someone were to come and ask me, I would tell them not to. If they're already doing it, I don't think I need to prevent them. So he has a very interesting direction over here. He says, just like any real Pesach Halacha, you have to involve many different details. So first detail to involve, of course, is this issue. Kivrei Sadikim, or Kivrei Sadikim Atameim. We'll call it a Safik, he says. Mahloket, Tosafot, Ramban, different sources, and so forth. He says, but there's several other things that need to be taken into account, not on their own, but altogether. First and f- or secondly, you have to take into account the fact that Kohanim today are what we would call Kohanim who are not per se, 100% verified Kohanim. Kohanim, we treat them as Kohanim. I'm sorry to the Kohanim in the room. Um, But uh, we treat you all as Kohanim, but we don't know that you're actually a Kohanim. As a result, there are specific dimensions of Halakha where we're actually more mekil, we're a little bit more lenient because we're not 100% certain that you're a Kohanim. Now, that's not across the board, well, there are circumstances that you'll find in halakha. It's quoted always from Rivash that this is entered into the uh, into the equation of discussing. Anytime there's a safik with a kohen, this needs to be entered. We're not. Are you certain that you're a kohen? You're not certain. Right. Okay. So that's another safik. Third safik he brings up is the opinion, well-known opinion of Ra'avad. Ra'avad's opinion, of course, in his glasses, the Haramba, you like an okay. it's not an okay, but it pokes a hole. Anytime you're dealing with a Pesach halacha in a circumstance, you want to ask the question. And you assume that it's asur. Right? This paper is complete. There's no holes in it. Now I'm going to poke one hole. I'm going to say, but maybe you're not a kohen. That one hole is not really changing anything. Then I'm going to poke another hole. I'm going to say, it's kivrei satikim. And maybe that's metamit. You can't. The hole didn't rip it all up because maybe kivrei satikim. And now I'm going to poke, poke another hole. This is like kind of the logic that underlies what we call a safik sefeka. Enough sefekot. There's room sometimes for leniency. Ultimately speaking, he doesn't say it's room for leniency. Lechatechila in his eyes. But I could be milamedzechut. Ra'avad's opinion. Not lechatechila. We're not supposed to say Haramban, supposed to holek on this. Ravad's opinion is that since, whether you like it or not, everyone today is Tamimit, including all the Kohanim in this room and outside of this room. 
Therefore, the isur for you to come in contact with Tum'ah today is not the way it once was. You were born in a hospital which probably had dead people. You at some point came in contact, whether knowing or unknowing. Our assumption is that everyone is Tamimeh today, which is not a crazy assumption. Uh, we try our hardest, and but Ravad's claim is there's different ways of reading Ravad. At the very least, the same punishment, the Malkot, which was once relevant, won't be relevant any longer. Not that it's permitted per se, but maybe it's only Asumid Rabbanan. There's different interpretations to Ravad, but we can add that to the mix as well, says Sabah Kadisha, which means to say, ultimately speaking, I have enough Sefeikot to be Melamed Zichut, enough to be Matil Echatechila. He thinks not. Along those lines, in source number 10, in Stehemet, Stehemet, we talked about him several occasions, an important, uh, important posek halacha in his own right. He didn't write Peske halacha, he wrote an encyclopedic work known as Stehemet, Bechaim Hizkiya Midini. He writes, V'achar zeman nishalti migivir echad miyedidai, lechavot da'ati bezeh. I was asked by uh, an individual, sounds like living in Israel, to answer, Anachnu. Again, it seems to be what was happening 200, 300 years ago, and then 100 years ago. Kohanim uh, were going. Is it only source number 17, which is powering them? Or maybe there are different teshubot and angles for being mekil. Says the Hamid, make certain that you stop. Tell them all to stop. Not good enough grounds to be mekil. That seems to be stacking up as the majority approach on this matter. Not to say that there aren't dissenting opinions. That seems to be the majority approach. All right, I lead you now up to our our final stages on Is this. Go ahead. The main argument nowadays that, that they're not like they're not because they're not so close to they're all the way in. They might not even be there. The, the, you literally, literally every step. I love you. Source number 21. I mean, I love you anyway, but source number 21 is uh, is is in the name of Rabbi Mordechai Eliyahu. Rabbi Mordechai Eliyahu was a former chief rabbi of Israel. And uh, this is this is uh, the words of his son, which was published in an alon called Kol Sofaich. Um, the alon means, you know, the publication for Shabbat. It's Parashat Hayesara, very appropriate. Tavshin Ein Gimal, which is, what, 2013, it's got to be, right? Anyway, in this alon, which I saw quoted elsewhere, it's well known, by the way, that Rabbi Mordechai Eliyahu's Pesach Halach, I think there are YouTube videos, is that you can, as a Kohen, go to Me'alat Machpelah and Kever Rachel. In here, he details some of uh, of why so his his son does. So first and foremost, he it is says specifically just uh, like not all kibbutz. He's talking about only about for for the reason you just mentioned. He's talking only about me'arat machpelah and kevrachel because his claim is that the burial is underneath and it's covered and encased in a way that you distant enough with regards to not getting into it, the halachot of Tuman Tahara, that it's not going to be Tameh. Of course, you want to keep all of everything else we mentioned in mind, keep this in mind as well, that the way it's structured, as you mentioned, as a me'ara, which is distant and separate, 
won't be metame. You're not under. You're not in the same circumstance that would constitute a problematic situation. He goes further and he describes his son, does Rabbi Shimuel Elia, who's the chief rabbi of Sefa today. He t- describes how at a certain point there was an excavation or not an excavation, some sort of entrance into Ma'arat Machpelah by rabbis, and they drilled holes of some sort in Ma'arat Machpelah in order to solve this issue that the Tum'ah now is Yoseet or Yosea'ah through that hole, halachically speaking. As a result, you really have grounds to be Mekil. Now, difficult to discern the exact reality. We don't actually know where the bones are buried and where the bodies were placed. As a result, it's not simple, but that's the grounds for being Mekil in addition to everything we discussed, according to Rabbi Mordechai Eliyahu. He tells one or two interesting stories along these lines. He tells a story how he used to always tell people that you should ask, the. you can ask him, he'll be posek, but if you live in Hebron, ask the chief rabbi of Hebron. His name was Rabbi Dov Elior. Is, is Rabbi Dov Elior. His opinion is to be Mahmir. If you live in Hebron, don't go to Ma'anat Machbelah. If you live outside and you're asking me, I'll be posek, I'm the chief rabbi of Israel, says Rabbi Mordechai Leo. Then there was a publication of a book which dealt with the realities that you're describing, Leo, in which they determined that there's no Tum'ah present based on its structure. And Rabbi Dov Lior gave a Haskama. And so then Rabbi Mordechai Leo started to tell people, even if you live in Hebron, you could go. Then he tells a story how Rav Cook's son, Rabbi Tzvi Yehuda Cook, that's the Rabbi Avraham Itzhaka Kohen Cook's son, after the Six-Day War, as we captured Bethlehem, uh, there was a question about going to Kever Rachel. So he didn't want to go. So I said, Rabbi Mordechai Eliyahu, I'll tell you the reality. I'll explain it to you. And he convinced him. So go to Kever Rachel, it's permitted. And he says, he asked him afterwards, and he said, did you go to Kever Rachel? I said, I didn't go. He said, why not? He said, I am convinced, according to Halacha, what you told me, but my father didn't go. And the fact that my father didn't go, for me, was a clear designation but that's not what the Hachai is for me and my following, says Rabbi Mordechai Eliyahu was very pleased. In short, the reason I'm bringing all this for you is to make clear to you there are, there is a strong opinion that you can lean on today with regards to going to Kever Rachel and to Ma'arat We discussed many of the vantage points. Number one, Kivre Sadiqim and Amitamin. Number two, the Kohanim today uh, don't have that. At best, they have Hazaka, but they don't even have Hazaka with regards to absolute Kuhuna. Uh, number three, with regards to Kohanim, we can lean a little bit on Ra'avad that the severities are not the same, and therefore, maybe there's, ra- there's grounds and room for leniency. Hacham of Adya Yosef, both in his Yahavedat, Helek Dalit here in Siman Nun Het, and in his Yabiyah Omer, Helek Dalit is very much opposed to this, as are, to the best of my knowledge, many, not all, but the majority of the contemporary poskim. And he says uh, the following several points. First and foremost, that are novel. First and foremost, uh, we mentioned earlier in the class Ramban, Ramban Nachmani, who stood strong, even he, and I mentioned this to you earlier, seems to be describing it in the context of burial. Maybe not like Jake, you said, like Tosafot said, because of met mitzvah. But maybe it was because you're involved with the kavod of the individual. Then being a sadiq, being mechabedem, giving them that honor and respect, kohanim are allowed to. What does it mean, per se, even according to Ramban, even according to Bihaim Kohen, who said he would go to the funeral of Rabbeinu Tam, doesn't mean he would visit the tombstone later on, the burial plot later on. It means he would be involved in the burial. He continues and he says that in his mind, the vast majority of poskim are Oseh. 
He quotes those who are mekil, though. He does quote the Gaon Mimunkach, that's in Minhat Lazar. He does quote, you know, who does it with Ra'avad. He quotes uh, Rabbi Shalomo Al-Fandari, that's our Sabah Kadisha. He says, Mikoma kom nir'am, at the end of the paragraph over here, She'aikar lema'aseh she'en lehorot heter beze, ukeda'at rov ha'poskim. He says, in his mind, you should not be mekil. Lefichach, I'm reading the final lines, Misra lehochiach lakohanim ha'haredim lidvar Hashem, and indeed, I assume that many of you guys calling me were Haredim Lidvar Hashem. You wanted to follow the words of God. You were scrupulous. I should be very pleasant in instructing you. You should try to stay away from matters which even have a doubt of an Isur from the Torah. And by so doing, you'd be taking away, diminishing from your Kiddushah, your sanctity as a Kohen. And the people who rebuke in the appropriate way. They, of course, should have pleasantness and they should have an appropriate beracha uh, by setting forth the appropriate halacha. If we piece everything together very briefly, <coughs> in under a minute or two, what we discussed and developed over here was a real issue. It emerged as a real issue, even though it was a midrash. And we may have smirked initially, it wasn't just a midrash. Many of the poskim took it very seriously. Many of the poskim do take it very seriously. The question is whether kivres adikim or metamim or not. We had grounds to say it is. We had many grounds to say it's not. The Pesach Halacha is not simple at all. We have several sefekot which could bring us in the direction of going. In my mind, I very much associate the Pesach Halacha with Hacham Yosef over here. And it might displease you, my reasoning on this, but it goes as follows. When you have several sefekot, so yes, you can even be more lehalacha lechatechila in those circumstances, lekula. Over here, what we're dealing with is not per se even a mitzvah. We're not dealing with, and now you're going to get Onik Shabbat. We're not dealing with, and now you're going to achieve some sort of ma'ala. We're dealing with, and now you're going to be able to be at Ma'arat Machbelah, which is an important place to be at. But you can do it from a little bit of a distance. I don't, I'm not purporting to, to saying to you that, you know, you wouldn't have a greater experience there. But I am saying that when you're dealing with a Safiq Yisur from the Torah, and a Ma'ala of some sort of being at that place, I very much would be would warn and caution away from doing that. Um, is it over cautionary? I don't think so because I think there's strong grounds for many of the poske halacha that we mentioned and didn't mention to say that this is an isur gamur without those sifikot being real ones because there's questions on each one of them. So the bottom line then is: Can kohanim visit me'arat machbelan keverachel? Although many. A poskim are uh, are lenient on this matter. My personal opinion is that uh, following that of Hacham of Adai Yosef, that the answer is no. Kohanim bisman hazeh and for eternity have not been allowed to and should not be visiting Me'arat Machpelah and Kever even with all the calculations and deliberations that we brought into account. Baruch Adonai Le'olam, Amen